Hello, this is the State Senate DFL Podcast, Call of the Senate. I'm your host, Senator Jeff Hayden. Thank you for joining us. The purpose of the podcast is to allow you, the listener, to better understand our senators with stories about their background, where they grew up, the moment they knew they wanted to be a public servant. Also, we'll be discussing legislation or general changes in society that they hope to accomplish during their time in the Senate. Senator Matt Klein. Jeff Hayden, how are you? Good, good. Welcome to Call of the Senate, our podcast featuring DFL senators in the Minnesota House. We're glad to have you. I'm so excited to be here with you. Good, good. So listen, let's get right into it. Um, People call you a couple things around here. Often they call you senator, but they also call you doctor. Yeah. So It's probably easiest just to call me Matt, but you know the, the question always is, should I say senator, doctor, or doctor, senator? I like to think government before uh, medicine, so senator, doctor. Senator, doctor, Matt Klein. Well, that's good. That's interesting. So you're one of two <laughs> physicians in the Senate. That's right, yeah. Um, we have uh, Senator Jensen on the other side of the aisle and yourself. Tell us kind of... A little bit about yourself. Where did you grow up and like where did you go to school and why did you choose the medical profession? And we'll talk a little bit about your political stuff after that. Oh, that sounds great. So I grew up in St. Paul right in Highland Park. And, you know, interestingly, there's a senator here at uh, the legislature called Senator Dick Cohen. First thing I ever did in politics, Jeff, is I door knocked when I was 14 years old for Dick Cohen for House. So I went down to the apartments on Shepherd Road and said, are you going to vote today for Dick Cohen, blah, blah, blah. And uh, now I come to the Senate. I'm 51 years old, and Dick Cohen's still there. He doesn't look a day older. He's still there. <laughs> we call him the dean of the He's, Senate. <laughs> he is the dean of the Senate. So I have that connection with Dick. And when I was running for office, he came out and door knocked for me, sort of yeah. paid it back, paid back the loan. So. That's nice. So tell us where you went to high school, where you went to college. And- yeah, you bet. I went to Highland Park High School. My mom was a teacher there, a special ed teacher. Being in high school when your mom's a teacher there isn't always the greatest, but uh, that turned out okay. I got right. out of there. I went to the University of Wisconsin, where initially I was going to major in Russian literature until one day I went to the ER and I thought, boy, those doctors kind of do interesting work and you can make a living. So uh, that's how I turned into medicine and I went down to Mayo Medical School in Rochester, Minnesota. Okay. So tell us a little bit about that experience and how did you get to the Mayo and and why did you choose uh, the the Mayo Clinic? Well, first of all, I'd spent four years in Wisconsin. It was time to get to the true heartland again back in Minnesota. You know, Mayo Medical School is the smallest medical school in the Mm -hmm. country. They only have 40 students in each class. Back in those days, they used to take 20 from Minnesota and 20 from the rest of the country. That's how I got in. Uh, these days, that's a very elite school, and I can't believe the product they produce down there. So they do great work. Wow, that's amazing. So you're, you work at Hennepin County Medical Center? I do. I work nights over there. Okay. And and what do you do? What, what type yeah, of position well, are you? So I'm trained in internal medicine, which means adult medicine. And I only work in the hospital. So th- these days, they call that a hospitalist. Mm-hmm. And uh, I admit people. I actually work nights, Jeff. And so actually, some people call me a nocturnist. Uh, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> so anyway, I, I go in at 9 p.m. I even go in one night a week when I'm here in session, Thursday nights, and I admit people from the emergency department if they come in with chest pain or diabetes or pneumonia. Uh, and then at 7.30, I check out and go home and see my kids. So. How about that? So let's talk about your family. Yeah. So I know you're married. You have five kids? Five kids, yeah. All right, all right. Like a lot of folks these days, when uh, I was young and married, my wife and I couldn't have kids for a number of years. We tried and tried and tried, kind of gave up. Uh, and then one day, my wife was pregnant. 
and then she was pregnant every year after that for five years. So we have five kids in five years, uh, three girls and two boys, and uh, they're they're amazing. So you went to medical school, you became a, doctor, a physician, you got a full-time job, yeah. and then you wanted to run for office. How did you arrive at it? Yeah, well, as those kids, when I came back here to Minnesota and they were uh, you know going through the middle school, West St. Paul Middle School, challenged with a lot of the things that uh, you know suburban middle schools are these days at 40% students of poverty uh, and multiple languages, large class sizes. And we sort of became engaged in, why, how could we make this better? How could we make an, a community around this school and really you know, lift it up? Uh, and that led just very naturally to a run for school board and then three years later to a run for the Minnesota State Senate. Okay, tell us about your interest. Um, you know, you and I served together on the health care committee, so that's kind of a natural fit for you. But what are some of the, some of your interests in health care but also outside of health care that really drive you here, even if you want to talk about bills that you have? Yeah, well, you know, what's interesting is health care ends up touching so much of what we're doing, even just beyond the committee. A lot of the big issues that are in front of the legislature right now, it's been beneficial to have a medical background. You know, mm-hmm. opioids obviously are a huge issue. Gun violence is something that I think a doctor can speak to with a certain voice. Uh, so some of the biggest issues that I'm passionate about uh, are those two, you know, doing something about holding pharmaceutical companies accountable in Minnesota for what they've done with opioids and bringing down the threat of gun violence, especially to our kids in our schools. Mm-hmm. So. Can you talk a little more about that? That's kind of near and dear to my heart. As many people know, um, my sister was a victim uh, of gun violence. You said you worked the night shift at Hennepin County Medical Center. Center, level one trauma center, our safety net hospital. I'm sure you've seen your fair share of uh, gun gun injuries. I have, you know, I, I have. I'm not a surgeon, so I don't care for those people directly, but uh, I certainly have at Hennepin County. I tell you what really though drives me, much like you have a family member that drives you. I haven't lost a family member like that, but um, my daughter Emily engaged with this issue. She's 16 years old, and after Parkland, you know, she kind of just asked the hard questions about why does America look like this and why are kids in high schools feeling like they might get shot and can we really live like this any longer? Mm-hmm. But I tell you what, when your kid who's 16 years old looks at you and asks those questions, you feel an obligation to answer. Wow, wow. So what did you tell her? Yeah, I told her we're going to work on laws, and that's what I've been doing. Yeah. She and I went out to Washington, D.C. for March of Our Lives. Right. You know, there was hundreds of thousands of young people out there saying, vote them out, vote them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, America can't stand that kind of political movement for long without some change occurring. So tell us about some of your uh, gun violence bills. What are are you really passionate about? What do you think uh, could be a way in which for, for us to get kind of through this this, this problem that we're really facing. Yeah, you know, so everyone knows the big sort of tag words around this thing, red flag laws and universal background checks. You know, what I really have come to respect is Senator Latz's leadership on this with regards to universal permit to purchase, which is even a little simpler than background checks. Somebody might go to get their permit to purchase at their local law enforcement office maybe once a year or once every two years, whatever you want to make it. And then once they've got that, then they can buy as many weapons as they want during, you know, until they get their next permit to purchase. And I think that's probably a smarter and, and more fair way to uh, run this thing. That's fantastic. So tell us something about you that that people wouldn't know. So I played semi-professional violin, and I paid to get through medical school by playing in the Rochester Symphony Orchestra. And uh, I don't play much any longer, but I used to be a pretty good violin. I didn't know. So you were in the symphony. Yeah, I was, yeah. Wow, wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. Um, so what, what do you think the future looks like? What do you think this session looks like? Um, what do you think that, you know, how, how are we going to be able to get some of these things done? What's, what's your prognosis? Well, you know, I don't know. I haven't been around here as long as you, and I've been watching a lot of the veterans like you to see what do you think is going to happen. But I tell you what, um, 
I was discouraged when Democrats, my party, didn't win back the Senate. Um, but my good friend Steve Swadzinski said, listen, this is how it's supposed to be. This is how the founders designed it. We've got the House in Democratic hands. We've got the Senate in Republican hands. The governor's obviously a, a vigorous young Democrat. Uh, if we can't figure out how to pass some good legislation this year, then you know the Democratic experiment is, is under threat. So I think that is an inspiration and a charge, and I think we'll try to get some good things across the line. Minnesotans in the last election clearly were demanding uh, some solutions on gun violence, mm-hmm. certainly some solutions on affordable health care, clean water, clean air, transportation. Uh, we've got to find a way to answer those, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. So as a physician, help us think through how are we going to deal with the rising cost of health care um, and the lack of access? It appears to me, and once again, we serve together on this that we have. We're spending a lot of money. Our outcomes aren't where they're supposed to be. Our access is waning. Cost is growing. What do you think we should do if, if we were in charge? If you and I were running the show, what do you think we should do to be well, able to start to tackle some of that? Jeff, you know that you and I talk about that for a couple hours, you know, several times each week in committee. So there's a number of different answers for that. But one of the big picture answers is changing sort of the incentive flow in medical delivery. Where I work as a hospitalist, all the financial incentives for me and for an ER doc and for everybody else is to get people into the ER and then admit them up to the hospital if, if we can. Uh, you know, and so that increases churn, increases volume, uh, drives up costs, probably drives down quality. If we can reverse that incentive, so I'm actually incentivized to make sure a person is well cared for in their home. They have adequate nutrition and medications and mental health supports. Uh, and that they don't need to come into the emergency department. If we can somehow drive our incentives for healthcare delivery mm-hmm. into that direction, uh, then costs will come down and quality will go up. And there are some novel ideas about how to do that. Tell us a couple of them. Well, one of them is global capitated payments. And this is going to get too boring in a hurry. But basically, what if you paid a hospital like Hennepin County Medical Center mm-hmm. a global annual fee and said, we're going to give you X number of dollars this year that you're going to take care of this population of Minnesotans. But we're also going to measure some of the things in your community. Uh, You know, what is the incidence of infectious disease? What's the incidence of food insecurity? And if you can get better on those measures every year, then we're going to give you a little bonus beyond what your global payment is. So I think that might be a better way to pay a hospital rather than paying them to get as many people into beds as they can. Sure, sure. I think that those are some of the broader concepts that we were hoping to do with health care reform that kind of got bogged down and political issues and it got bogged down to partisan issues and then people changed. But this idea that we are really trying to incentivize people to be healthy, right? And we're incentivizing institutions to keep people out of the hospital rather than in, right? Provide health care, right? As opposed to just insurance care, right? I think that that, that, that seems to be what what we talk a lot about, but it seems like we're having a hard time getting at through uh, our friends on the other side. And no question. And and the, our friends on the other side don't like to talk about something called social determinants of health, mm-hmm. right? But really, you have to. If you're going to talk about bringing down costs of health care and doing better health care, um, if somebody is coming into the ER six times a month because they don't have adequate housing, it's cheaper and better and healthier to make sure they have adequate housing. And so there is a a role for us to start to address those types of things. Well, anything else you'd like to let us know? Well, it's just been uh, an incredible privilege to work with you. Obviously, Jeff Hayden, you're one of the stars of the Senate. Stand up on the floor and charm the entire crowd and and can swing a bill one way or the other with your voice. So I continue to watch and learn from you. Well, I appreciate that, Senator. Tell us how folks can get in touch with you. You bet. So if you go to the Senate website and Senator Matt Klein, you'll find an opportunity to click on a button and send me an email. I answer all my emails. Uh, And 
also on that same website, you'll find uh, my telephone number where you can talk to my L.A. Mike directly, and he'll put you through to me if necessary. How about your social media platform? You bet. I have a Senator Matt Klein Facebook, and I have a Senator Matt Klein Twitter account, and you can reach me on those. Matt Klein, thank you so much for being here at Call of the Senate. Thank you, sir. Thanks for listening to Call of the Senate. I'm Senator Jeff Hayden, and I hope you enjoy getting to know my colleagues and hearing about important things that are happening at the Capitol. If you'd like to hear more stories, please visit our website, senatedfl.mn, or connect with us on social media with the handle at senatedfl. Thank you.